0: Hi, this is Pat Blythe, and welcome to Love the Music. Today's date is Tuesday, October 5th, 2021. These are the Pandemic Interviews, conversations in a changing time. Welcome back to part two of my conversation with Mitchell Field, founder of the Canadian band Hellfield. John Jameson also joins us for some interesting dialogue regarding the state of the music business today and how the local Toronto Musicians Union seems to have vanished in the haze. And about that note, we think it's Aunt Polly with the candlestick. My, my engineer has just handed me a note. Need to remember, yeah, after the right? Then that's and that's a, that's a really good point. Yeah, that's a good point. John's just made a really good point here. Question from the audience, point from the audience, but this is great. What he said is need to empower, so can musicians and songwriters to go after venues to make sure portions of their ticket sales incorporate royalties.
1: Well, why hasn't that been done before?
0: Exactly. That's,
1: that's, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't you think that you'd hit, them, you'd hit them on the front end so you're not left empty on the back end? I, I, that's a great idea. And Come and talk. It's hey, a great John, idea. Join,
0: John's going to join our conversation for a minute. For a okay. Here.
1: Hey, John.
2: Hello. <laughs> you know what? I, I mean, I think that it's about empowering. You know, we're uh, you know, I'm with a, a couple of bands, and I'm also part of the musicians' union. And the union can only do so much, but when you empower them, and we bring that business part of the music into it, we need to kind of get back onto these venues and say, if there's going to be live streaming, incorporate. Monies to be able to have those royalties, so that when Hellfield does a live stream or something is done, that that we have empowered those governing bodies and the royalty, uh, the people who are collecting those royalties, whether it be SoCan, SoDrac, whatever the uh, uh, the affiliations are, um, that we're empowering them, and we we right. stand as a united front. You know, right? The and Ascap too. There's a lot of people that are willing to do things for nothing, and right now yeah. I feel like we're the pioneers you know, uh, with all of this, uh, the the live streaming. I know algorithms are starting to get better at no latency during uh, some of these okay. things that people can get together. But I, I, like you, I'm old school and I've been doing it for 40 years myself. I wanna be on stage looking at people because you never know what happens and the magical moments of music happen in the milliseconds.
1: Yeah. Exactly, they're not rehearsed. We they're don't rehearse rehearsed. those moments. The best moments are always the moments that are spontaneous. Some musicians are very leery about that. So their act or their band or their set, it's structured note for note. I know bands like that. To me, that's like slicing meat. It's boring. You know, when you saw the Beatles live, they didn't play the songs note for note. And when they played, they were smiling. I see so many bands, man, they're serious. They're looking at their feet. They're looking at their guitar neck. When did we lose the idea that you're on a stage, man? Open your eyes. Look at the audience. Play to the audience. Be involved with the audience and your bandmates, by the way. uh, A troubling trend I see is guys on stage with those little computers. It's just, look learn the song or get off the stage. Okay. Because one thing it does is while you're looking at that box, you're not looking at the band. You're not looking at the audience. You're not part of the moment. You're somewhere else and shame on you. Get off the stage. I I went through a situation like that and, and I, it was the first time in all my years I realized it's more prevalent. Now I'd never played on stage with someone with one of those boxes. And I'm like, What's that? He's like, well, I'm just gonna read the chords. I'm like, no, you're not. You're not gonna sit on a stage with me and look at a computer, okay? That's not rock and roll. I wanna look at the people I'm playing with. I want them to look at me and I want them to smile. A lot of music now, it's so serious. Everyone's serious, nobody's smiling. When I'm on stage, I'm happy. I'm smiling because I'm in my office And I'm doing what I love. But, you know, as far as the tickets, adding uh, SOCAN or ASCAP or whatever, you know what that's going to do? It's going to result in cost shifting, which simply means, yes, they'll get CanCon to add that bit so we make some money. But they're going to up the cost of the ticket to you. That's how business works. The company's not going to absorb it. The customer's going to absorb it. So if we go with that socan plan where it is enforced and I will make a touch more money your cost for the ticket will go up. Well, depending on how much it's going up, they that might have an effect on how many tickets you sell.
0: Okay, that was great. One of the things that I had discovered uh in the process of doing these interviews and some a little bit of research was that the sale on lo- sales online of musical instruments had skyrocketed to the point where musicians couldn't get what they needed. The other part of it was that musicians were now um, deciding that maybe they would pull out the guitar they hadn't played in six months or a year or the flute or whatever other instruments. So drummers were on a guitar or bass players were on keyboards, vice versa, etc. So they were starting to experiment getting new equipment and not just necessarily recording in a home studio, but just experimenting I'm sure writing a song on a guitar is totally different. Same chords, but totally different feel when you write it on the keyboard. Yeah. Do you think that there might be the a more experimentation, but b a new renaissance in music coming out of this?
1: Well, I would like to think so. I would like to think so. I'm uh, I'm of the opinion that that the technology sometimes gets in the way of the music because again, I'm a purist. I'm not. Uh, a synthesizer drum machine guy personally i 'm mm. uh, more with organic instruments and i I find that with technology, digital recording, for example, you have uh, just an immense number of tracks to record on now, right. immense number of effects and things and it 's just too much for me I, I i you know sixteen tracks is more than enough for me. But, you know, the kids that are coming up, that are born into this technology, they're born with a computer, for God's sake, an iPod, a laptop. It's their realm. Yeah. I would think that hopefully there's some kid out there right now, like in the early days of synthesizers, where guys were programming the very first synthesizers. Uh, Baba O'Reilly, by the Who, that's an example of one of the first synthesizers. Or um, Strawberry Fields had a Mellotron, one of the very first. Good Vibrations with a Moog synthesizer. Wendy Carlos. There were people out there. And I would think that there's got to be someone out there now, some whiz kid that's using technology, computers, drum machines, that will, will be able to figure out maybe even a new genre of music that might be a little more automated, if you will, as opposed to sounding organic, But who's to say kids won't like that they probably will they've been raised on drum machines they've been raised on synthesizers i was raised on a les paul and a marshall stack it wasn't until uh, bands like spandau ballet depeche mode saga the keyboards became yes obviously and the progressive bands keyboards became not as uh, um, popular as the electric guitar, but they were really starting to take over a lot. Keyboard, sticks, Kansas, a lot of keyboard stuff. And even in Hellfield, towards the end of Hellfield, we got rid of the keyboards completely because they were just taking over the band with all of the equipment that we were given by Roland in a sponsorship. Suddenly we had all these synthesizers and doodads and so the song that i wrote when i went into the studio to record it suddenly got piled up with all these things and uh it was it was sucking the rock and roll out of it and so for the very last version of hellfield we just no no more keyboards bass guitar drums singer but there's someone out there now there's some kid out there for sure that that has all this technology that's acquired it and that sat in his basement and figured out, okay, this goes here, that goes there. I'm sure it will happen. I just don't think it's it's gonna be something I personally can relate to. Music for me, it comes down to one thing, it's got to rock. If it doesn't touch me in my heart, if it's too synthetic, mm. to use a pun on a synthesizer or a drum machine, it won't touch me. And maybe it's because I'm a drummer. I can tell the difference between a drum machine and a drummer. And people always tell me, you won't even know the difference between the drum machine yeah, and the do. drummer. It's the feel. Yeah. It's the feel. I do notice the difference because a drummer is not a machine. A drummer's a human. And so when a drummer plays that pattern, let's say for four bars... And then the machine plays it I can tell you immediately what's what let's face it if you listen to hip-hop it's all drum machines and synthesizers where's the band there's no band and so when I watched uh, you know the the Billboard Awards or the Grammys, I'm saying where's the band there's no there's no musicians anymore and that's kind of heartbreaking but maybe it's not. Maybe kids don't want to learn guitar or drums anymore. Maybe they want to learn computer or computer noises or whatever you want to call it. Maybe that will be the new music.
3: Hmm.
1: It's just that you and I come from a different format. We were raised on radio. Yeah. And so what we heard on the radio, those top 40 songs every day, without us knowing it, it was making us aware of songwriting songs structure artists legends it was it was teaching us something we were being educated we knew the bands we knew the songs we could tell what was what now there's no education because who listens to radio anymore they listen to internet radio uh podcasts but i'm talking about your local radio station their, their listenership is dropping to the point where it's, it's over. And, of course, the corporatization of radio stations in Toronto and in Montreal, we know who owns the big TV stations. We know who owns the radio stations. These are giant corporations. And, again, unfortunately, they don't care about the music pack. They don't even care about the on air personalities that have been working at their radio station for years. No, they don't. It's all bottom line. And you know, in Toronto, and I know in Montreal the changes we've seen to AM and FM radio just in the last year, good, valuable people, people that were plugged into the community, they're gone. Where did that guy go? I've been listening to him. They're gone. Why do they never want to pay the talent, Pat? (laughs)
0: That is the million-dollar question. Why don't they want to pay the talent?
1: It's, 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 it's so fundamentally mind-blowing of a question because if you apply that question to any other business, they pay the talent. You want to work in the banking industry? The best banker with the best talent, with the best skills, he gets the office on the top floor.
0: Yeah.
1: They compensate the talent. And it comes back to this fundamental question of if people are consuming our music and sharing it and downloading it, and why can't I get paid for it? Why is the musician the one who's begging for some crumbs? That's the question I'm working on and I, working around.
0: I think we're all working on that question. I mean, my profession for the last four, 35, 40 years has been as a telecommunications specialist. But the minute that I strap on my camera and walk out the door, nobody is going to pay me a hundred bucks an hour or even fifty bucks an hour to shoot their band. And so- oddly enough, and I keep coming back to the musicians on this, the musicians are the first ones to ask for it for free. But they're also the first ones to complain that they're not getting paid. And I went, hey, Neither are the photographers. So, But it's a whole snowball effect. And I think it comes down to how much respect or recognition goes towards people in the arts, in the arts and entertainment and musicians and performers. Well, the answer is quite
1: simple. The answer is quite simple. None. Yeah. None. Do you think that's
0: changed, though, during the course of the pandemic?
1: I think that, that if... It had changed or if it had been addressed, we wouldn't even be discussing this question. How come, how come the, the, we can and, and, and again, I'll go back to my point from before. If you're a photographer like you are, and yet people won't pay you for your services, what is your motivation to put the camera around your neck and go shoot a band? There is none. Because even though you're an artist, you're also a a business person. And people don't think about, uh, uh, for example, the photographers. They don't. But you're doing a job. You should certainly be compensated. And if people are going to take your images for whatever reason, you should be compensated. Otherwise, why get up in the morning and put your camera on and go shoot? It comes It comes back to the same thing I was saying about songwriting before. My motivation has been kind of uh, blown up. The, the motivation on the most base level is I'm a musician and I have to do it. It's in my body. But again, if the band wants you to shoot them for free, that's when you have to say, I'm an artist too, guys. Maybe I can give you a deal, but I simply can't do it for free.
0: Yep. Too Long was the first single from Hellfield's 1978 full-length self-titled album. The album was a follow-up to their five-song EP released earlier in the year.
3: That girl I met today She seemed quite different In some kind of way But as I walked by
0: that this pandemic, this isolation, um, and we've kind of been back and forth with playing, not playing, and lockdowns and no lockdowns. But do you think this has given a local artist an opportunity to grow and to shine? I mean, we're all on a level playing field internationally. So from your Bonos and your U2s down to the local bar, nobody can play, nobody can sing, nobody can perform. So once it starts to open up, for local artists in particular, do you think this is a good oppor- that can they, uh, opportunity for them to take advantage of the situation? They have no competition. You know, Nobody's nobody can afford to pay $3,000 for a ticket at the moment. So maybe the local artists, you know, can sort of come out from underneath. An opportunity for them to uh, start gathering an audience and followers of their own. You know, we promote on Shop Local, Eat Local, Grow Local. And my thing has been, how about Listen Local?
1: That's a great idea. That's a really great idea. In fact, it's a great slogan. Why not Listen Local? I think that's a great idea. The answer to your question is, I think in the last 10, 15 years, any new young band, not from my era, but the new wave, if you will, I think they're already quite capable with social media, with Spotify, with YouTube. I think that's where they've been placing their music for the last 10 years or so and saying, here, do you like it? Now, I don't think they're at the point where they're thinking about how can I make some money on this? I think they just want to post it and get hits and likes and shares because the, the sad reality, Pat, is this. It used to be based on whether you were a good band now good can be subjective but that had something to do with it today you are um graded if you will on how many shares how many likes how many downloads not how many albums you sold because you didn't sell any so it's social media has taken over deciding who's good Someone posts a video on YouTube, completely unknown. It gets 5 million hits. He's suddenly famous for two days. After that, he's gone. Someone else is famous. So they can use the platform to expose themselves for sure. But the duration of their fame is going to be much shorter in the future. You'll be famous for two days, like Andy Warhol said, 15 minutes.
0: But what about playing, like performing live locally? Let's cut well, YouTube and stuff out for a minute and, and performing live. I mean, because, right. you know, you hear all over. So, oh, God, I'm desperate for live music. I'm, you know, I really want to, this, this to me, and I asked the question, I kind of answer it myself, but I think it's a good opportunity for local artists to start getting out there and pushing themselves live before they get competition from all the big guys.
1: Well, it is, but then you have to go back to uh, just use my market, for example. If there were six rock and roll clubs and now there's two, that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt because those four other clubs where I made X amount of money per gig are never coming back. It's not like I can go play at some other club. So to answer your question, now you've got lots of young local bands wanting to start out they might be able to get into the one or two clubs because us old guys are burnt out or retired or sick of it or whatever. But with less venues, that's going to cause a problem on its own. I'm talking literally, Pat, in Montreal for rock and roll, there are now maybe two clubs, two that you and I would call a rock and roll club. That's a problem. And the reason is because even before COVID, The scene in Montreal has been dying. People don't go out anymore for some reason, like you were saying earlier. People don't stay at clubs as long as they did. People have to get up early. People have kids. Whatever the reason, if you're a young band now, it would seem to me they're all using the internet to get their music out there on various stations, various platforms. And I would hope this is a boon for them. I would hope that there are enough young bands out there that right now are sitting there planning, plotting, right. strategizing. Let's use our brain because, like you said, if, if there's no competition at the moment, you can get a head start right now. Think outside the box. Right. Ask your fans what they want to hear. That's one thing I find a lot of bands don't do. If you want to do market research, ask your fans. Mm-hmm. Just ask your fans do you like this do you like that what would you like to hear me talk about you know it's just a matter of having a business sense and you know the big quandary is always well i'm a creative person but i have to eat (laughs) yeah but i want to create yeah but your creation is bringing in no money i gotta eat i gotta and that's always been the quandary some of us have been able to walk the line and do both some of us realize now that your days of being a rock star might be over there's a good chance that if you're my age or older you're not going to do any major tours anymore it might be over for you sad but true i can live with it i can live with it i'd love to be on stage i'd love to be in a club i'd love to be in an outdoor concert and if it happens that'll be great and if that's not in the plans for me in the future, that's okay, too, because let's face it, I put in my time.
0: <laughs> this is true. One of, the, one of the issues, challenges we've had, I don't know about Montreal, but in Toronto, we had a lot of clubs. We have Canadian Music Week here every year. And you get, we get thousands of bands that are vying for slots in any number of clubs in the Toronto area, in the GTA. And you, you get four or five on a bill. And I was getting to the point where by the time the fifth one played, I couldn't remember what the first one sounded like. Um, and a lot of them are what people consider weekend warriors and a lot of them played for free which of course hurt the artists who were actually trying to make a living so you've got a lot of bands out there now competing with each other on free not free little pay no pay and all that sort of thing do you think that the pandemic might do something like and I love this term call the herd
1: well it will it definitely will But in any in any business, Pat, if you can't keep up, you have to get out.
0: So we get quality over quantity.
1: Well, hopefully we will, because, you know, uh, quantity, my God, there's billions and billions of artists and songs. Mm -hmm. The problem is, let's say I'm one of those artists with my songs. The problem is. There are a billion people out there posting their music. How do I get people to come to my little house? Secondly, there's a lot of quantity out there, but the quality has decreased in relationship to the quantity. Just because there's a lot of it doesn't mean it's good. There's a lot of crap out there, to be quite honest with you. There are more weekend warriors now than there ever were. I've met a lot of people in the last 10 years that used to be full-time musicians. And now they've got a day job. I've got no problem with that. I never did that. I played music every day and made a living at it. As far as those local bands playing those, each one getting a slot, like you said, thousands of bands, six slots. Well, that's a problem and the bands that do get to play, what happens? Is there someone in the club that says, hey, you're good. I want to sign you. How often does that happen, I wonder? Not very often, I would think.
0: 0.0001% chance.
1: Well, there's my point. So in other words, a lot of these musicians are being exploited, in a sense, especially if they're playing for free, because I've done in my time many of those showcase gigs or whatever you call and they always tell me the same thing. Think of the exposure. Think of the, think of the break. I have never, ever once seen anyone get signed or increase their exposure or anything through any of those types of situations. We used to call it Battle of the Bands. Remember that? Yeah. That's what we used to call those things. Yeah. But it's very rare that one of those bands that got signed or got anything out of it. But when you're a kid, you're like, wow, I'll be on stage. Think of the exposure. There'll be girls there. This is what you (laughs) think.
0: Okay. True. Too true. Yes.
1: I can expose myself in other ways.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. We'll have to cut that one out. What have you found to be the most difficult or challenging thing for you during the pandemic?
1: Hmm. Well, the simple answer is easy. I have nothing to do all day. I have nowhere to go all day. For the last 15 months, I've basically been in my apartment. I wear a mask every day. I wear gloves every day. Some, Some people don't, that's their choice, that's their business. But my life basically has shrunk to a couple of rooms. Maybe once a week, I'll drive off the island and I'll see my girlfriend. But apart from that, it's very isolating, can be lonely, can be depressing, Mm -hmm. frustrating. And you can go down that road or you can slap yourself in the head and say, look, this is the reality right now. I've got a little bit of money coming in. I'm not going to starve. I can write songs if I want to. I can go online and communicate with people. I can do various uh, podcasts and interviews as I'm doing. So the world hasn't stopped. But when you're used to doing 350 shows a year, you miss the physicality. You miss the tactile. You miss the interaction. You miss being productive. I guess what I'm trying to say is I feel like I'm not being productive and it's depressing. And it's, mm-hmm. it's frustrating because I like to be productive. So I try and be productive in other ways, even if it's just one little thing a day. Because otherwise, Pat, you can just go down this rabbit hole of grayness and depression, especially if you live alone and your music's been taken away and you can just like lose yourself in there. And I'm not gonna do that. I, 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 as I said before, I, I've got the coping mechanism necessary to survive this. Uh, So maybe I'm luckier than some people. I also have a very, very supportive girlfriend that, that has always been with me and stands by with me and helps me and supports me and encourages me. And that's very important. It's very important to have someone that believes in you and trusts you and can put up with you. So I would say that's very important. And everyone's dealing with it differently. It's not like I can say, okay, well, I'll start booking gigs as of tomorrow. I can't and I won't. Will it be three months? I don't know. Because I'm always booked up six months to a year in advance, which means if this ended tomorrow and I could get on the phone tomorrow, I wouldn't have gigs till Christmas. There's a lag effect. And that's going to be a problem. But at the same time, I'm not worried about that anymore. I'll do gigs when there are gigs. And if they're on, then I won't.
0: I'll drop the question there. How do you see yourself moving forward this year and into 2022, actually?
1: Well, uh, until I have an indication as to what the world's going to look like to make any concrete plans is kind of uh, ridiculous at the moment. So I'm in a mode of one day at a time, if you will, one week at a time, because, you know, there are days, Pat, I wake up. I don't know what day it is. Is it Tuesday? Is it Friday? What month is this? Have you found yourself saying that?
0: A couple of times. Yeah, a few times.
1: And the reason is that usually I have things to fill those hours. I have to be somewhere at 3 o'clock. I've got a gig starting at 7 o'clock. I haven't worn a wristwatch in 15 months. Why? I don't have to be anywhere. So what I'm trying to do is just get through it the best I can, as positive as I can, do some writing, do some collaboration, a little bit of work on this Hellfield project. As I said, I'm going to be starting a, a, a co-hosting a show called inside the music on the vibe and uh i'm doing a couple of other podcasts and such and maybe one day i'll 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 do my own podcast maybe
0: weren't you writing a book
1: yeah i've been writing a book for quite a while i'm i'm writing a book it's kind of a book and it's a screenplay and depending on which one comes together first it will be one or the other or both actually because you know like greg you know greg Godovitz very well We've been down that same path and we have the same stories and escapades, I would think. So over the years, yeah, I've been compiling it and a little bit writing it, a little bit. Uh, sometimes I see it as a novel and sometimes I'm writing it as a screenplay. Uh, I'm also doing some um, voiceover work now and also, and I have a casting agent, so I might be doing some acting also.
0: Another song from Hellfield's first album, Magic Mistress, also received significant airplay across Canada and in the U.S.
3: I first saw you Stopped in, in the rain I didn't know your name But I knew that I would I would I approached you Wonder in my eyes You didn't even look my way Something in the wind called out my name and told me to stay. Never do again, never again. We're doing things that came. Around.
0: What have you learned from all of this
1: i'm gonna have to think about that one i don't want to give you a quick easy answer because that's a that's a heavy one okay i don't like i don't like to answer without having an informed opinion but off the top of my head what have i learned about this i've learned about myself i've learned about how fragile the music business is i've learned about how fragile daily life can be i've learned that some of the things we took for granted seem like a long time ago now the the basic simple things walking down the street without a mask on there's one hugging friends seeing elderly relatives parents being concerned about your elderly parents because you don't want to infect them so consequently you just don't see them These are all human emotions that we've been, that we've put aside. Um, Okay, three,
0: the last three questions, and I try and remain, I try and sort of leave it on a a bit of an upbeat note, because I know that conversations about the pandemic can be sad for everybody. Um, First of all, two positives to come out of all this, one personally, and one professionally.
1: Well, personally... One good thing to come out of this is I've had time. I've had time that I've never had before. I've been so busy being a working musician for my entire life that I've never had the luxury of a vacation, truly. Just because I'm I'm always booked up for the year in front uh, that I I might take a, a week here or a few days there, so that's good. That's been a positive for me. And as far as professionally, um, I'm using this downtime, if you will, in the most productive ways that I can, uh, connecting with musicians, recording this Hellfield album. In fact, there's a version of uh, the Hellfield song, The Pact, that's just been recorded and released by 49th Parallel, a band from Thunder Bay, which is where half the band was from, and uh so i've been helping them and listening to various versions now it's finished and it's posted that's quite good and uh as i said i'm doing quite a few podcasts and interviews and i'm just kind of feeling my way around i've only been on social media for about six months i only got a cell phone two months ago i was quite consciously not interested don't want to know don't want to be looking at Facebook eight hours a day, not interested in pictures of people's salads. You know what I mean? And then I discovered during this downtime that how much I can get done using this technology with the minimum expense, minimum travel, and maximum productivity. So it's been quite eye opening for me. And so I'm just positive in the fact that life goes on, Pat, will go on. Music will go on. Music's been there since the, the very early man first banged on a drum.
0: So your two positives are time?
1: Time. And being able to reacquaint and meet People that that I've known over the years, and and now I can see them like we're speaking now. I find that's very positive. It keeps me busy, gives me something to do, uh, lets me interact. And um, I would say for the most part, an even keel will probably get us through this.
0: If you could choose, and this is an odd question to ask somebody who's played with a lot of Hellfields, performed with a lot of different bands, but I'm going to ask it anyway. If you could choose one artist or band you've dreamed of performing with, even as a young boy, who would that be?
1: Paul McCartney.
0: What brings you joy now?
1: Um, having music in my life, having the talent to play a few instruments, having the ability to sing and write songs, and having developed the ability to be able to love other people as much as I used to love myself.
0: And what piece of advice, one piece of advice would you give a young musician today?
1: my My advice to a young musician would be this, have a plan B. If you don't have a plan B, you don't have a plan A. And I'm saying this because I did completely the opposite (laughs) i left school i joined a band i only had a grade 8 education i didn't go to university i would suggest i would recommend based on what i know in the last 40 50 years just from a a sane a, a reasonable point of view i would say to a young musician not necessarily finish your schooling but just be aware of what business you're getting into if it doesn't work out for you Have a plan B. Mitchell,
0: thank you so much.
1: Thank you. My pleasure. That was really fun. Thank you so much.
0: Next weekend is the Canadian celebration of Thanksgiving. Since many of us will be taking some time to pause and to break bread with friends and family, so will the pandemic interviews. The next podcast will be published on Tuesday, October 19th. Please join us then for a lively conversation with drummer and percussionist Sasha Tuchek and synth wizard, guitarist, and vocalist Brian Hogue from Conduit. Until then, stay safe and Happy Thanksgiving. This interview was recorded at Soundhouse Studio, located on Eastern Avenue in Toronto, Canada. Owned by producer-engineer John Jameson, John is also my co-editor and mixer for all the interviews we record at Soundhouse. He makes us all sound good, and me sound like I know what I'm doing. With respect for the times we live in right now, all appropriate safety measures are taken during any in-person interview recorded at Soundhouse. Many thanks go to Eddie and Quincy Bullen and Paul DeLong for writing and performing the fantastic theme music for the show. And to all of you who have tuned in to listen to what these artists have to say. Thank you for taking the time and inviting us into your cars, offices, and homes. I am Pat Blythe. You're listening to Love the Music. Have a great day and a wonderful evening.